Welcome to Crack the Customer Code, where your hosts, Jeannie and Adam, unlock the secrets to keeping your customers happy and coming back for more. Adam, do you feel like we're emotionally connected? Good <laughs> question, I think, Jeannie. <laughs> what type of emotion is probably the Oh, question. yes, yes, right, right. There's positive emotion, and then there's not so positive emotion. <laughs> No, of course we are. We've spent all this time together. If we weren't, I don't know. I guess people in broadcasting are like that, right? They just like, they smile. You always see that in the movies, like the two like co-anchors at the, in the newsroom, like smiling. And as soon as the camera's off, like just turn their backs on yeah. each other. <laughs> um, so, you know, you're like half that equation, but then there's me and I'm nice. So, oh, nice. You see that? Nice. You see what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think uh, one of us has a lot of emotional <laughs> intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I have a lot of responses. I'm going to, I'm going to hold back. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. it's funny to talk about, but it's also important to connect emotionally and to teach people in your organizations, the importance of emotional connectedness and how that, you know, relates to emotional intelligence and empathy and all of these things that, you know, aren't that easy to teach? Aren't that easy to really recognize sometimes? For Yeah. For uh, example, when I held back just now, that is emotional regulation. That is one of the two pillars of EQ. So thank you. There you go. Just there think. you go. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Holding back on that. <laughs> Way to be regulated. <laughs> Regulators. All right. <laughs> so it's an interesting discussion about kind of that idea and really just how to apply this in business in general. So, you know, I think I think we should get into it. What do you think? Let's do it. So today we talked to Lewis Carter. Lewis Carter is CEO and president of Best Practice Institute, a benchmark research consortium, association, and management consulting firm that helps organizations and C-suite senior executives achieve their market strategy through talent and change management. His books include Change Champions, Best Practices in Talent Management, Best Practices in Leadership Development and Organization Change, and Leading the Global Workforce. He has spoken at universities and institutions from Beijing to the United States to Hong Kong and Dubai, and has been quoted and profiled by Fast Company, Investors Business Daily, Business Watch Magazine, Pando Daily, and CIO Magazine. Lewis, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, great to have you, Lewis. And, you know, we talk a lot about customer emotion on the podcast, and I really want to get into the the topic of emotion with you. And one of the terms you use is emotional connectedness. So tell us a little bit, one, about what that is, and is that different from emotional intelligence? How, How does it differ yeah, sort of break that down for us, please. Well, EI helps with EC. So emotional intelligence helps us to be more emotionally connected. So in, in emotional intelligence, we feel there's two really important things. Number one is empathy. And number two is emotional regulation. So we need that in order to, in order to have an emotionally kinetic, connected relationship. Now, why do we need those things? Well, basically, if we're thinking things that are really off the wall and feeling like our perceptions and judgments of whomever we're talking about, about and with um, are not really in line with what we should or could be thinking positively about where things could go, a vision of where we could go, then it could drastically harm the relationship or potential for the relationship with the prospect or even the client. 
So what emotional connectedness allows us to do is bring EI, which is the empathy and emotional regulation to a new level and saying, basically, now I feel psychologically safe. I feel like I can mirror and understand that person. And also they can see me and I can see them as someone that will be better as a result of having each other in our lives. And what does that, what does that really mean? Like, when you have that relationship with a prospect or a client where you're really clear on you know, so the, the old phrase value, do you know that the, sort of the value statement we have with the, the MVP? It's really overused, right? Value is overused. Oh, it's, I'm going to establish value. You've heard mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. This is, it's, it's way overused. So what does that really mean with emotional connectedness? It's not just about value. It's about that understanding of how am I going to collaborate with you systemically throughout your company? How am I going to make your operations, you, your company, yourself, your life better in terms of how we collaborate? And then P is positive future. How how am I going to help you with your future, give you advice to get better in the future with what I'm doing with you? How does my product, as my service do that with you? How can I align my personal and organizational values with you? Patagonia does it really, I'll give you an example. They do it specifically with environmental awareness. Other companies may not have values like that. They may just be selling the next widget. And that may be the very very thing that people just want. It could be just an intrinsic or extrinsic requirement. So that V, that value, the alignment of values. And then R is the establishment of respect between and among individuals. And with prospects, this is really important because I have a a client who's a CEO, he has an extremely important life-saving technology, and he and people don't believe him when he's calling. And he says, I can he shows them his scientific studies. And he says, look at these studies. They're you know, close to 95% disinfection rates for hospital systems. And they say, you know, I just don't believe you. Like they think like, they think there's some sort, something wrong. You're right, right? <laughs> like they, people immediately think that if you have something really good and they're really good stats, like it just, it, I don't believe you. You're, you must be selling <laughs> snake oil, right? So, so, so what he, what he does, is, does is, you know, respect's the big thing for him. So he, and he's, a, he has a, a, a lot of degrees, brilliant guy. And, um, and he, so he said, he's, the guy was about to hang up. Say, like, I just don't want to talk. And, and so Morris said, he, he said to him, he said, wait, one second, stop. All I'm asking is for you to hear me, listen to what my argument is, because he's a lawyer, right? <laughs> <laughs> and for you to hear me, to hear me out. So he said, okay. He said, he says, give me five minutes. I just want to explain it to you. So the guy stopped. He says, okay, this, this must be someone with passion, someone to really listen to. And actually he really is someone to be listened to. He, he's billionaire founder and he's, he's, he, he sold uh, rack space for billions of dollars and many years back. And he's just a brilliant man. So anyway, so he says, he said, look, I am going to send you these robots and a person to help you inside of your, in, inside of the hospital system to help you with operations and I'm going to prove that it works to you. Okay. So he has money. He can do this. He knows he can prove it. Right. And he believes in, 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 in fanatical customer support. So we did at Rockspace. So he's like, he's like, I'm going to make this happen no matter what. That's a billionaire's mentality. It's, it's thinking <laughs> it, really, it is. It's like, you know, he's like, I'm going to go spend money. I'm going to, I'm going to make a lot more when I spend good money. Right. I'm, I'm not going to just like sell something. I'm going to prove it to him. And, and so that, that's the respect portion. I'm, going, I'm not going to sell. I'm going to prove. I'm going to earn your respect. I'm not going to be a person just coming out and, like, and throwing myself into you. And we're going to define our outcomes, which is the K that's out of the spark with you in real time. So we just did tremendous amounts of work in that one call with perception, with emotional intelligence, with respect, with enablement of positive future, and, and, and really in all, and allowing us to really have outcomes that are better than what we started with. 
Wow, there's a lot to unpack in what you just said. We've got, I've, I don't even know where to start, but I'm going to try, I'm going to do a follow up on one part of it. Cause at, at one point when you were chatting, we were sort of talking about the macro, like the idea of like providing value versus really emotional connectedness. Um, you know, and I look at these big brands, I think I, I would assume, uh, you know, Nike is somebody you've studied just because they really were one of the one of the leaders in not selling their product, but selling the lifestyle and the emotion associated with their product. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. So I have a question. Can you go, can, or now that this is out there and people like you are talking about this, it seems like I'm seeing companies try to do this when it doesn't make sense to me. Like I, I, I've been seeing this ad, I don't want to call out a specific company for a dandruff shampoo. And it's like a Nike ad. It's like empowerment and lead your best life and all that. And it's dandruff shampoo. And is there, when you're sort of operating at the marketing level and the, the mass level, is there, uh, I don't know, is there, is there some, some sort of authenticity, you know, piece that cannot be there that just makes it impossible? I mean, maybe, maybe, every, maybe it's working. Maybe it's the best ad they've ever run. But to me, I'm like, what on earth is this about? So question. So do you understand the question? I know it's sort of rambling there. I do. I understand. I understand the intent behind it and, and the intention and, and the, the the question behind it. And what I what I what I'm hearing is that you know we we buy emotion. We we don't buy the substance behind it. It's sort of the steak without the sizzle, right? Or the steak sizzle without the steak. And you know what what people love and with emotional connection and emotional connectedness is a story. So they, they something where they've they've seen uh, you know a, a protagonist antagonist uh, that brings you up to a suspense uh, it, you you have some reveal as a result of the story Nike did really well at that actually and so so did so does Patagonia and because they do have substance they have they have they have sneakers that have have a history of sort of excellence inside of inside of uh, you know, Olympic events inside of professional sports. Uh, and and they've and, and other people have endorsed them and they feel good using them. So it, cr- it creates a, a they have both outcomes and they have feeling, which is really really powerful. So I think w- when you have a story behind it and history and you can prove its worth and you can show how it's helped others, uh, obviously that's case study, right? When you connect that case study to people in in general, so say for a, a sneaker or a shoe, and and let's say somebody their heel hurts constantly, okay, and that Nike they feel will help their heel. Maybe it has a it could it could have that kind of effect on them, right? It could have that kind of placebo effect on them. And does it, if that placebo effect works on them, then you're actually doing a service to somebody, because if all other things are equal. And oftentimes they are. Placebo wins. And when you, there was a research study that showed when you, uh, when you put a story like a Nike story or emotional connection on a product, it increases their value by 500%. Wow. <laughs> so when you, so when you, when you create that an emotional I saw. <laughs> Exactly. It sounds like you remembered it too. Maybe you even wanted to buy it, right? And, and that, it, it, it creates that. So I say, keep writing your stories. Create your stories with everything because you're creating value by enabling other people to believe in something that perhaps may be sometimes greater than themselves. And people want that. Well, and I think the example that the examples that you've brought up, Patagonia and Nike, there there is a level of 
authenticity from top to bottom. That's what people feel, you know, like Patagonia is a great example. Um, and really just they are dedicated to the environment. They're dedicated to helping people get outside. They're dedicated to all of these things. And that you see that in every kind of aspect of the brand. But that has to come from somewhere. So I'm wondering, like, what should leaders be thinking about right now when it comes to this idea of emotional connectedness? What should leaders be doing today and tomorrow to really lead this way? It, it, it depends what you're leading. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if, if that's, that's number one. So, so I have, you know, I have some CEOs that I work with are leading new strategies. They're leading you know, new, new mergers between you know, three different companies. I have other uh, CEOs that are focused on, you know, in, increasing sales that just happened from, that were lackluster from the last, the last quarter. Uh, you know, I have some CEOs that don't know enough about what their people are saying about the company and, and brand awareness is super important for their employer, for their, as, in an organization. So employer brand is really important to them. So what you need to focus, not, the first thing leaders need to do is focus on that one thing that they need to actually uh, lead themselves. <laughs> so, mm. uh, you know, focus on that one thing, that one goal that you, that you're working on, because I, I've, if I talk to, if I talk to a, a CEO or, or a, any leader and they, they have like a myriad of things that they're talking about, I know right away, that's their first issue. Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay, let's when we so we bring it down. We and I find out what people are saying about them to mitigate risk because that's what you should be doing. First thing, leaders, is you need to get your stakeholders together, start interviewing them, ask them how well you are doing in terms of these two easy, simple, appreciative questions, and they're this: How well am I doing? What am I doing well? And what can I do better? It's that simple. When you start getting that kind of information and then asking people questions about what you can do better for your goal, you're going to get a lot of info that you never had before. You perhaps didn't even hear before. So that's in closed systems, whether it be manufacturing or oil and gas or pharmaceutical, but a little more closed, a little more synchronous, not saying in a, in a disabled way at all. Some closed synchronous systems can be super, super functional. I mean, military has been functional in that way. Some really great pharma, pharma companies have been very functional like that regardless. And if you're entrepreneurial open, like perhaps you know some Silicon Valley companies are, you got to start thinking about how to enable ideas and innovation so that it's not so it doesn't just pop out of nowhere. It connects into business strategy in a way that is meaningful and powerful for the organization and for the board and for the CEO. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah what's it, so it's so interesting to be alive now and to think <laughs> about, well, no, because I, I came up and you know, I've got two business degrees and I came up at a time where it, yeah, you know, it just, we just, you didn't talk about human emotion, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just behavioral economics wasn't even a thing. I'm really dating myself now, or, or certainly wasn't a thing that was in business schools yet. And, you know, we just didn't talk about this and there's so much to think about. So I think, I think for a closing question, Lewis, what I'd like to ask you is how do you make the case for focusing on this, you know, sort of quote unquote, softer skill, softer strategy, this idea of really putting you know, emotional connectedness throughout the organization, both with customers and within the organization itself. How do you make that case to like the hard driving CEO types? 
Mm. So, so it all comes down to sentiment analysis, which has been around for, for you know, decades. It's it, it, right. economic principle sentiment analysis. And if you don't know sentiment analysis, you can't predict future behavior. And, you know, George Bush is the perfect example of this. Uh, first, George Bush, he, he, you know, when he was the director of the CIA and he worked in Russia and he, he, he knew all the different heads of state. And you know, he, he basically would get an understanding of you know, everything about them. He would he would know, you know, where they like to eat dinner, you know, what kind of drinks they would like, you know, uh, times he had a lot of intel on them. He had dossiers on them. Right. So he could joke around with them. OK, he could be like, hey, I remember that time that you had, you know, early in the morning when you were you, you were drunk on vodka at five o'clock in the gulag. You know, remember that time we we, we had to get it. We, we got we got a really good juicy hamburger. We joked around how it's American. So like when 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 that per, when he goes to that really important diplomat to talk about things that are really important, like conflict, huge con- world conflicts, they're probably not going to be talking about that world conflict. Right. Mm-hmm. What are they? What are they going to be talking about? Yeah, the the gulag the, and the, the vodka. <laughs> right, right. So, so that's what it is all about. It's about getting to that sentiment analysis with between among people and getting to that level of where where we have really cat, potentially catastrophic or crisis events. Where we could really break it down to the common denominator of a greasy hamburger at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Wow. Well, now you've made us all hungry, but, um, (laughs) so not me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, uh, this is really interesting and I know you have so much great stuff out, out there on this. So where can our listeners find you and learn more about you? You go to my website, lewiscarter.com. I've put all of the stuff you need in this book. It, I put all the practices, all the tools. So in great companies and amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, all the different bookstores, just pick it up. Go to bestpracticeinstitute.org too. You can find me online. Just do Lewis Carter and great company. And uh, yeah, see my book, grab it. And, uh, or call me. I'll talk to you about it. If you want to practice this stuff, I'd love to practice it with you. I, I have fun doing it. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Thank you so much for being here, Lewis. Thanks for having me very much. Yeah. Thanks, Lewis. Appreciate it. You know, we never asked him the question of, is it okay to be negatively connected emotionally? <laughs> <laughs> you keep harping on this, Jenny. Is there a reason? <laughs> you know, just curious. Just curiosity. <laughs> Yeah, guess what it did to the cat, Janie. I'm just saying. So <laughs> well, yeah, I thought it was, it was, go ahead, please. I was just going to say, I thought it was interesting, the distinction between really emotional connectedness and emotional intelligence and um, how regulating your emotions is a big part of that. Well, yeah, and we we know that the role that emotion plays in the customer journey, yeah, right? We've been mm-hmm. talking about that. And I think just, just another sort of lens to put on it about the idea of finding those connected moments, right? That finding mm-hmm. those places and opportunities to create a positive <laughs> emotional <laughs> connection with your customer or with your team. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it's something that we all could continue to work on, continue to focus on and make make it better, not just for our customers, for, but for our teammates, our, our workers, our, you know, Anybody that we we interact with, if we consider empathy as a pillar for how we interact with them, that kind of makes the world a better place. And we isn't that are what this is the all world, about? Jeannie. We are the world. <laughs> well, and guess who else is part of our world? Our, our listeners. Podcast audience. Amen. 
We so appreciate you being part of our world. So thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. We are a proud member of C-Suite Radio, so be sure to check out the great business content at csuiteradio.com and csuitetv.com. And if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, why the heck not? Go ahead and do that for us. Leave some ratings and reviews wow, if you're so Wow, there's that po- there's that positive emotional. There connection. you go. They're emotionally connected. What, what is wrong I'm with just, you people? I'm I'm That's I'm just great. I'm just asking. You know why not? That's all. That's all. <laughs> you need like a rolling pin in your hand. <laughs> Well, whatever works, you know. That's hilarious. (laughs) So I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can emotionally connect with me (laughs) (laughs) and find out more about me and our journey mapping programs, CX training, and keynote speaking at experienceinvestigators.com. And when you want to positively emotionally connect with someone, <laughs> I'm Adam Tafork, and you can find me, our keynote speaking, customer service workshops and training, and all the things we do to help you win with experience at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, Dee, what do we do? We take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.